Tune in to Refresh Radio with Regina Johnson. Who is Regina Johnson? Regina Johnson. Author, pastor, motivational speaker, and life coach. Regina is inspirational, motivating others to live out their purpose. Regina is passionate, tenacious, and relentless about helping others fulfill their destiny. Her goal is to bring a refreshing to someone's life. Join us every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Dial in to share your heart with Regina at 657-383-0309. That's 657-383-0309. And remember that Regina says... We all know you really haven't failed until you stop trying. I want to be to people what others have been to me. And so that's, that's really the purpose of Refresh. It's the end of the day for people to feel refreshed. So call in at 657-383-0309. That's 657-383-0309. You'll be blessed by her wisdom, strategies, and encouragement. That's Refresh Radio with Regina Johnson on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good evening. I'd like to welcome you to Refresh. I'm Regina Johnson, your host. I want to wish everybody a happy Sunday fun day um, and give a quick shout out to my girl, Princess Cooper, and all of the hosts uh, that are on NHISG Sports Media. Welcome to a new season. Uh, we're glad uh, to have all of our new and old hosts that are a part of um, this uh, station media project. Um, today, I'm really looking forward to uh, being with you guys to, um, I don't have a guest. It's going to be you and I. We're going to be talking today. Normally I do, but um, I think this is something that uh, I'd like to take the opportunity to share with you guys. Before I go into that, I haven't done this in a long time, but I'm getting ready to reprint a book in which I had when I first came on uh, the show. Uh, and start well, I actually started hosting here at NHISG. I just completed my first book called Unstoppable You. Um, and I'd like to get you guys to um, check it out. It, you can find the book at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, um, and you will really enjoy this book. The reason why I'm saying it is because, um, well, the reason for the reprint was I really didn't realize what a great a tool Unstoppable You is for helping you to press past some things, to obtain the things in which you have been dreaming of. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to go ahead and, and grab that book and let me know what you think of it. Today's show is one that's somewhat uh, I wouldn't say near and dear to my heart, but it's really where I am right now. And it is uh, concerning uh, living the life you've been given. When uh, I say that, I'm referencing to so uh, often we look at the lives in which we have been given, like where you were born, the parents you have, the afflictions you may have been born with, the struggles that you may have had to go through. Um, we 
we are striving many times to not only change that, but alleviate it from our story. I'm learning that it's important that we hang on to those things because it is those things that make us who we are. As I've grown in um, my view of life and how I, I just probably see everything, life, relationships in life, careers, I can feel them gradually shifting and changing. I remember hearing that, you know, when you are in your 20s, everything is a rush. Now hurry up and do this. Hurry and do that. Um, you know, life is really about yourself. When you go into your 30s, you start thinking about, you know, possessing homes and marriage and, um, you know, things like that, a shared life. As you get older, you start thinking about bringing balance, uh, not so much in the pursuit of, but trying to perfect what you have, your marriage, your, uh, you're moving from one home to another home. Uh, your children are getting older, some preparing, if not, to graduate from high school, uh, preparing to go to college if they're not already there. Um, and then by the time you're in your 50s, uh, you're at a place where you're considering, thinking your mind is seriously focused towards, um, you know, retirement, and uh, you're looking at vacationing a lot more, and uh, relationships are are now the ones that are in your life or part of your life are going to be many of those, you know, like life-lasting life uh, relationships, um, marriages. It either it passed or it failed, you know, and so you are building on it and it's becoming better or, or you are seriously considering living life single. Uh, from now on, 60s, you're definitely in the zone of retirement, taking long vacations, visiting kids, uh, loving on your grandkids, experiencing the freedoms of of life. And it kind of just goes on and go on from there. But what I have learned is that we categorize our lives just as I was just explaining. And most of that time is spent trying to erase the imperfections that's in our lives. Um, if we're in our 20s and we had like a bad marriage, you know, early, we spend a lot of time trying to get rid of that, um, you know, uh, trying to forget the damage, the hurt, the wounds, you know, that, that went with this. And I want you to hang with me because this isn't one of those, you know, sing me a sad, you know, a sad song uh, show today. What it is, is I want you to become or come to a place, no matter what stage of life you're in to learn how to love the life in which you have been given, whatever it was, and learning how to use it to your advantage and not allow it to be the tool that slows you down or hold you hostage for, you know, most people that have had struggles, they will allow a place where they got stuck to hold them for the rest of their lives. And so today I want to talk about just enjoying the journey. You say, well, okay, you don't know my story. Clearly, you've never gone through what I've gone through. So when you start saying, okay, uh, just hold on to whatever it was that you went through, then your struggle must not have been close to what I've I've gone through and endured. Uh, I spent a great portion of my time, um, especially in my early 20s, early uh, mid, early to early 30s, 
you know, grieving over decisions of which I made in my 20s that ended me up in places that I really didn't want to be. Uh, and what I, I did was I tried to live a life that would erase those moments, a life that would vindicate the errors and the mistakes in which I made. And so I'm so busy working during those times trying to change, you know, my track record, trying to change uh, and turn things out, trying to vindicate myself for the decisions in which I made that I missed, um, I missed the importance of the lesson. I was so uh, busy trying to prove to people that the mistake that I made, it wasn't really a mistake when in actuality it was. It was a big, massive, you know, heaping, you know, uh, mistake. But what I failed to do was to grab hold of every uh, tear, every heartache, every broken place, every form of laughter um, that I, I had during that time, relationships that were developed and lost and used them to, to my advantage. I tell the story often about when I was growing up, I, I, I would not say that I, the home in which I was raised in was perfect, but it was one that I would not change. Um, I would do it if I had a choice to choose where I would be born, the household that I was raised in, I would choose the one that I was raised in. And when I say it wasn't perfect, I've shared this numerous times with my friends and other family members, and even my kids, that I had a home that was filled with laughter, um, structure, uh, encouragement. But I also was in a home where my father was an uh, alcoholic. And so what my sister and I have learned to do is, and, and I've heard this before, that in time, if you will permit it, the things that were painful, the things that hurt, uh, you'll be able to go past those things and really see the the better parts of it. And And so what I've learned to do is I've learned to laugh about the things that were embarrassing, the things that really hurt. I've learned to use those as tools to help propel me forward. And I've also learned how to use those things to help me have greater compassion for others. Instead of um, uh, pretending like, you know, there were no rough times, it wasn't difficult. I wasn't embarrassed or ashamed by some of the actions of my father. What I've learned to do is look at the things that he did that was right and uh, laugh and cry and um, enjoy the memory uh, of the things that happened and also trying to recreate some of the things that took place um, that were joyous and the things that were hurtful or embarrassing, uh, again, I say, uh, I learned how to laugh about it. I remember um, probably about a week ago, I was telling the story about my dad. He, uh, I, I did not, And I didn't go in debt, but I would share a little bit with you guys. I remember my father, he was um, going to pick my sister up at, uh, at school, and he was intoxicated. And so there's two things wrong with that right off the bat. One, he's going to pick my sister up. <laughs> two, he was intoxicated going to pick my <laughs> going to pick my sister up. And um and it was it was crazy because 
oh my goodness, it was crazy because what happened was, hang on one second, uh, I have a guest in the studio and it's unwanted guest. My, my dog made its way in and she's like whacking me in the face with her tail. But uh, but anyway, now uh, when we would tell that story then, it was traumatizing. It was embarrassing. Um, uh, you know, people that saw him drive onto the sidewalk, uh, and, you know, with one tire up on the sidewalk and one down on the ground, that's pretty embarrassing. And then when you come to a, a uh, to put the car in park, to wait on your child to come out to get in the car, that's pretty embarrassing. There are moments like that that when we look at in our life that we go back over it. People really are stuck still in those places. All they can remember is, oh, my God, my friends were laughing. Teachers were staring. People were grabbing their children and running. You know, and the picture becomes bigger. What my sister and I have learned to do is we tell that story and we tell it often. And we laugh because now when we think about it, we think, how crazy is that for you to be standing outside? Now, I know, I know, I know some for some of my, my high-strung people that are listening, you're like going, oh, my God, and you're ready to call CPS right now on my dad. Well, you can stop. He, he's gone on to be with the Lord. But this is the thing. My sister and I, we laugh about it because out of the things that he did that was embarrassing, the love in which he has he's shown us or that he showed us throughout our lives was sustaining. It was far bigger than any embarrassing moment of him being intoxicated. Now, the laws were a little more lenient back then, uh, and I'm not saying that it was not important nor reckless on his behalf to come and pick my sister up. But as I've grown, I've learned that that too was important to be a part of my story. I learned that no one drinks to the point to where they are so unclear to make decisions like that unless there is something going on in their life. It wasn't until I was older that I realized that my father, too, was sad, that he was broken, that he was abandoned by his father, was raised by his mother, who was absolutely amazing. He had low self-worth, even though he was an incredible, uh, he was an incredible provider for our home. He was probably the most encouraging person to date that had ever that has inter, ever entered into my life. And if I choose to weed him out of my life because of those moments that were embarrassing to me, a greater portion of the love and laughter that ha, uh, that is a part of my story uh, would be lost. Um I'm learning how, and I want you to today, as you join me in the rest of this show, learn how to embrace the life in which you have been given. Um, I'm going to come back in a few minutes. It's about time for me to take a, take my first break, but I'll be back in just a second. Uh, see you in a sec. This is Regina, uh, and you're listening to Refresh.
Good evening. I'd like to welcome you back to the show. This is Regina Johnson, your host. You are listening to Refresh. Today we're talking about enjoying the life you've been given. And uh, before we went to the break, I was sharing about how we have a tendency to try to to spend the rest of our lives trying to course correct from uh, mistakes that were made, um, situations that we were born in that we had no control over, uh, grieving, regretting, uh, trying to live down family reputations and things that were embarrassing, uh, life uh, places in life that we've experienced, um, where we try to go past those things, rectify them, um, and but mostly pretend as if they never existed. I was sharing that we spend most of our lives pressing past the mistakes, the errors, not even our own. Like say, uh, for instance, if you had a father, like I was sharing before the break, my dad was an alcoholic. And so, um, and he wasn't like one of those full-time, I'll just say he was a part-time alcoholic. He was a alcoholic on weekends or drunk on weekends, um, not every day of the week. Um, But when the weekend came, we could rest assured that he would be intoxicated from Friday until um, until Sunday. And I, the reason why I was sharing that was moments like that, things like that, they leave scars and, and you have pictures in your mind of places where you were embarrassed, humiliated. And I was sharing how I, I really didn't have any control of that. That's our dad. He was the adult. We were the children. But we had a choice. My sister and I, we made a conscious decision that instead of looking at those moments that were so embarrassing and allowing them to affect our lives in a way that it would prevent us from growing, expanding, um, you know, living a as healthy a life as, as we possibly could. Um, and the reason why I'm saying, you know, not a completely, you know, whole life, because I don't believe that anyone is totally whole. I believe that we have places in each of our lives where it's hard for us to escape the memory, uh, the wounding. But I believe that we can do a lot better when we learn how to stop running from the it, making excuses for it, allowing it to define us, and embracing it. And I know some of you are saying, that's foolishness. There's no way I could embrace you know, my mother abandoning me, my father abandoning, abandoning me, my, my father being an alcoholic, a drug addict, uh, me uh, being adopted, left, thrown away, you know, whatever, whatever the story is. Um, there are some who had lives that others would long to live for or to experience that still uh, are broken or wounded and wish they had had parents that were not working so much there all the time. What I'm I'm learning and, and have learned is how to embrace those moments, not erase them uh, from my life. I think that it's important that they are there, that it's those stories, the experiences that make me the woman that I am today. When we first started the show, I was sharing like how at different intervals in our lives as we age, you know, there's certain, there's a process that takes place. You know, one moment you're just kind of on the go. you everything is about right now, all about you in your twenties, your thirties, you're trying to get married. You want to, you know, have a home, you're trying to establish your career and so on and so forth, you know, for decade from decade to decade. But I, I, um, am saying that 
in our life as a whole. We have to learn how to basically deal with the cards in which we have been given. Let, let's, let me paint a, a more clear picture. I know right now I probably sound like I'm rambling, but I'm, I'm really trying to get somewhere. I married um, really young, and I'm not going to go through all of that because I've shared it before on our, on our, our show. But I married someone that I would say was not the guy for me. Now, I won't say he was a bad guy, but he was not for me. For many years, I allowed the mistake of that relationship to define me. And I spent many years trying to make up for that, that irresponsible decision, irrational decision in which I made. Now, when I look back, I can clearly see that the decision in which I made was one that was foolish because I was trying to escape the wounding of the passing of my father. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about decisions that we made, decisions that others made for us. If we're not careful, we will allow those places to define us of who we are today. We will stay locked, struggling, trying to change, shift, become someone else different, um, spend the rest of our lives trying to prove to people who really are not even looking at us anymore. They, they've gone on. They've, they've forgotten about it. It's only prevalent to us. We'll spend the rest of our lives, instead of allowing it to build us and grow us, and become teaching tools for us to pass down to others so that they won't make that mistake. Uh, we, we, we enter into this place of the great cover-up to where we refuse to allow that thing to be a part of our story from a positive standpoint. You say, well, that wasn't positive. You, you made a mistake. No, the positive part of it was, yeah, it wasn't the guy that I should have been married to. I should have married him. He shouldn't have married me. I wasn't a good uh, mate for him. He was not a good mate for me. But out of that, I learned how to wait. I learned how to wait on what God had for me. I learned how to see it coming in others' lives and share with them, not trying to force uh, my opinion, my view, uh, giving them still the option, but telling them from a very real place, look, this is what happens when you just jump up and try to answer your broken places through people. And then they have a choice of whether or not to listen, to take the advice. But I learned that. I never would have known that, you know what? My goodness, uh, I, I, can't fix, I can't fix the broken places uh, on my own. I can't, I can't replace the places that's empty with just stuff with people and things and, 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 and drugs and, and alcohol to try to fix me. But I had to actually go through it in order to say it will not work. That, that's what I'm talking about. It's like the girl, the woman that um, had multiple children out of wedlock or the man who's had multiple, multiple um, divorces, um, you know, uh, the lady that was uh, raped uh, multiple times or, or the male that was raped multiple times. When you look at that, you say, you know what, how in the world 
can I embrace that part of my life? I'm not saying that you have to, you know, throw yourself a big party over, oh, my goodness, I was one of the worst abuse cases, you know, in America. But what I can say is that you can keep that in your story, not be ashamed of it. Learn how to be brave and bold and speak of it. Use it uh, as the power that has been given to you because of it. Um, Instead of crumbling, hiding, and seeing yourself as a victim, see yourself as a victor. Use your story to enlighten others, to help others launch, go to a greater place, another, another level. There's a statement that is made, am I my brother's keeper? Most certainly I am. And how do I keep my brother? It's not by physically going out and rescuing someone. It is often by sharing my life experiences. There's a quote that's made and it says that um, a fool learns from its own mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And, uh, and so what I can do is I can take the places that I want to reject, the places are, that I reject about me, take the, the experiences that I have, I have been endured, and use them to help someone else's journey go a little smoother. When I was um, younger, I thought that I was I was um, not very bright, and uh, because I struggled with reading out loud, and so for most of my life, I would dodge reading out loud. And the reason why it was difficult for me, and I didn't learn until I was. Uh, I was in my sophomore year of college, and I found out that I was dyslexic. Well, now I share that story because many times when I go to speak, if I have some things that need to be read, because when I am tired, um, I stumble over my words. Um, it takes me a minute to sort things out. Uh, uh, if I dare start reading and I'm exhausted, oh, my goodness. Lord, have mercy on the person that's trying to get something out of what I'm reading. And it sounds like I really am clueless or, or cannot or, or, or just don't possess the tools to be able to read. But that's not the case. I'm smart and I'm educated, and um, but that's my story. So now when I see people struggling or when I'm out and I'm speaking, I share that I'm dyslexic, especially if I have a reader. I, I'm, I kind of do it like as a joke. And because there is a, a Christian um, evangelist, prophetess, uh, Juanita Bynum, she has people read for her when she's uh, preaching. And so I always say, I, I know that I'm not Juanita Bynum, so I'm not trying to be that. Um, you know, and they'll start laughing. But what I'm doing is really um, setting people up to where I can later share that I am dyslexic and that it's nothing to be ashamed of. And so what I've learned how to do is maneuver around the things that are difficult for me um, and teach others how they too can operate with whatever has been thrown at them. Um, you know, there's also another saying that says that when life gives you lemons, that you're to make lemonade. Many times, most of us, when life gives us lemons, we try to throw them in the trash. 
we 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 refuse to do anything uh, with it. We just allow it to become this rottenness mess in our lives instead of taking it and doing just that. This is the life that I have been given. What will I do with this? It's like, um, say for instance, you didn't have the best parents in the world, uh, and no one wants that reputation. Now I'm I'm a mother, and I have um, six children, and so you know, no no one wants the label of being the worst mom in the world. No one wants the label of being the worst father in in the world. But let's just say that you had children young and you were just a crappy parent. That does not have to define you for the rest of your life. You can use the place where you fail to teach others how not to fall in the place where you fail. Or if you were the recipient of a parent that wasn't uh, the best parent in the world, that does not have to define you, nor does it have to dictate the type of life that you're to have for the rest of your life. You can use the experiences of not having that great mother or that great father to build not only your life, but the lives of your children and others that around you. You can even help. I, I, I didn't know until I was in ministry how many adults People are struggling because they didn't have a great home life. They didn't have a great mom or they didn't have a great dad or they didn't know their father. They didn't know their mother or, or whatever. And, and, and they're broken. And it is the story of the one who took that and, and allowed it to rest uh, upon them. They didn't try to shut it off. They didn't try to break it away from their identity. They didn't lie and, and make up these other false people to be their parents and this background. They said, hey, look, this, is, this was the life that I've been given. This is where I came from. This is what can come from it. Uh, and this is where I am today. Today, I'm, I'm hoping that as we talk about this, just embracing it, you know, too often, uh, we have people that uh, share these untruths about their lives because they're so ashamed of the reality of what it really is. Today, I, wanna, I want you to let yourself off the hook. I want you to embrace whatever life you have been given, knowing that you can allow it to define you if it wasn't good. You can allow it to pigeonhole you, or you can take it, embrace it, and help others with it. It's up to you. Okay, so you were abandoned when you were, you know, 10, 5. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to still sit, cry, weep? Are you still going to, uh, you know, talk about what happened? Or are you going to utilize that experience in your life to propel you forward? It's simply your choice. You can take the life you've been given, and you can use it. You can use it to be a mighty force. You can use it to be this gale force wind in your life that not only blows you forward, but blows others forward too. Most people that have seen great success in life, they have some really scary stories behind it. Today, I want you to live your best life. But first, we must learn to embrace the life we've been given.
Hey, look, guys, we're going to take another break, and I'll be right back in a moment. This is Regina Johnson, and you are listening to Refresh.
Refresh. We are in our last session, our last part of the show today. If you've missed it, I want you to be sure and uh, go back and listen to the replay. It surely will bless you because it has been blessing me by being here with you guys. Today we're talking about embracing uh, the life that you've been giving. You know, just taking hold of the life that we've been giving. Giving. Uh, when I, I'm saying that, what? I mean is many of us, we try to pretend as if there are certain parts of our life that really didn't exist, or if we didn't obtain certain things, we pretend as if uh, everything is perfect in our lives, where, where it isn't. And today, I'm just encouraging you to use every part of your life. I know there are parts of our story that are hard to tell. Some things we really don't want to share. We're afraid that we'll be judged by those, uh, made fun of, ridiculed, even as adults. 
we don't want to be the one in the room that said that, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I flunked out of everything and, or I, I was in special ed or, or I, you know, when people are cracking jokes about the small bus, I will never forget one time we were saying something like that. It wasn't me personally, but someone in the room and we were there and, and the way they said it, it was, it was funny, even though it's not funny when you think about it. And one of the young men that was there, he said, I, I, I was in uh, special education from elementary, and I graduated from high school from that place, and went on to, uh, and he went on to college, actually in another country, um, and we actually helped send him. Uh, so sometimes that is a part of our story. I think about, you know, even as I'm sharing that with you, if he had been ashamed to tell that part of his story, there have been many people that not that would have not been helped, wouldn't have had the courage to say, you know what, that was me too. I struggled with learning as I was growing. Um, I I struggled with eating uh, disorders. I struggled with drugs. You know, right now it's just pretty popular or okay if you say, you know, I'm an alcoholic. But what if you say that, you know, I, I, I think I need counseling. I feel like I'm, 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 I'm unstable or I struggled with, um, not very clear thinking or, or I've had several suicide attempts or, or um, I've been institutionalized before. I'm saying use all of the pieces, no matter what they are. I remember, um, or not that I, I could never forget it, um, I was um, raped in a relationship um, when I was in my 20s and I was so embarrassed because I didn't scream for help. I didn't ask for help. Uh, and the person that did it um, was someone that was supposed to take care of me, love me, support me. It was, it was a mate. And so I used to be ashamed to say that that happened. But as I've grown, I've learned that wasn't my fault. That's just my story. And by me being afraid to scream and ask for help was just a natural life reaction. It wasn't something that was horribly wrong with me. But because I've become comfortable with telling that story, it's not like some badge of honor that I walk around with saying, yes, when I was in my 20s, I was raped. Yes, I was abused. Yes, I was mistreated or, or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it doesn't define me. It's a part of the tapestry of my life. You take that part out and we lose the color, the flavor of who I am. It's the part that makes me strong and the part that makes me cry. It's the part that makes me compassionate and makes me love. And it's the part that makes me fight. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if I go through life pretending, oh, my goodness, I went through life and, oh, I, I, I was a wonderful child and I had a wonderful background. I lived the most excellent, delightful life. That would be a lie. That would, that would be a lie. I remember like on Fridays, um, you know, we had this great house. We drove these great cars. My parents dressed us well. And so we're thinking it's great. And I, would, I remember telling the story, you know, or it's not even a story. I'm telling, talking to my mom and I'm like, I just don't love Fridays. I love Friday evenings. You would always give us. <laughs> I have to laugh now because it's crazy. But it's a part of my story. Uh, and it's something that I'm ashamed of, and actually I still love it today, 
we would eat biscuits and syrup like a rice. And my mom would buy like these rolls, you know, the ones that you would pop them in the oven and then you make these, um, I forget what they're called. Um, oh, Tasha, what are those biscuits called? Um, I know she's in, she's in, she's in the studio with me. She's like the producer's show. Um, no, the ones that are flaky, you know, and they're not the croissants, but they're the round little breakfast biscuits. Pillsbury, there you go. Pillsbury. All right, give a shout out to Pillsbury. You get a free plug, Pillsbury. So anyway, she would buy those rolls of those. We'd have syrup, and then we'd have like, you know, if you wanted milk, if you wanted juice, if you want. And this was like in the evening time, like on a Friday. And so we would go grocery shopping. We'd come back, and we would eat biscuits and syrup. And I loved it. And we did it for years. For years, and I was telling my mom, I go, oh, I love that. And we would watch like these the series of shows together and have just the best family time. And so I'm talking to my mom about it, and I'm like, going, oh man, that was great. And I said, why don't we do, why why don't we do biscuits and syrup or or anymore? And she's like, well, you know, I, you know, we just don't we don't have to do that. And so of course you have to know my mom; she's kind of a smarty. And so I'm um, I'm kind of pushing the point, and she said, look, girl. That was the end of budget. We had no money. <laughs> and we had no food. That was the best we were going to do with what we had. And you know what? It is just a part of my story. What if your story was that, you know, you were raised like in housing and government assistance, which many have not been fortunate enough to escape? When you grow up, are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? No, it's a part of your story. And if you took it and you used it the way that it was supposed to be used, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, appropriately, you know, handling it. I'm talking about if you embraced it, that was where your family was in that moment. You take it, you share it. I, I can hear you already. You, you're not even on the line talking to me. I can hear people saying, I am telling nobody about that. Or I'm not ashamed. No, you're not ashamed in your circle. But are you ashamed to tell people but that wasn't their story. Or better yet, when they start, when you start sharing, they kind of put that weird kind of face like, you were in government housing, you were on, you know, uh, assistance, and they have that kind of like, is thinking just that you were even a part of it, like as if it has some sort of odor or it's the worst, the most detestable thing that you could have possibly done. Do you feel some kind of way? That's when you know that, you know, you have a problem with your story. Uh, you say, well, no, I don't have a problem with my story. I have a problem with people that have a problem with my story. No, you won't have a problem with people that have a problem with your story when you don't have a problem with your story. My mother would say they, they dressed well and they lived well. She said, but I grew up to find out that we were poor. And I didn't know we were poor because my, my mother, my mother's mother, her brother would mail them clothing in boxes for every school year. He worked. Uh, in Detroit on uh, four Ford. And uh, so he would go shopping. He had no children. He and his wife were alone. They were making a, a good living, you know, for, for that time. And so what he would do is he would shop for my mother and her sister and they, and she would, he would mail them clothing. But a story was he did it because her mother couldn't, but she tells the story of her friends whose mothers literally made them dresses out of, now you got to be from the South, or you have to have a little age to you, uh, 
would make their clothes and their underwear out of croaker fat. And so what is a croaker fat? It is, um, you know, the burlap. I know just even thinking about that next to your skin, you're thinking itchy. But what if you had nothing else to wear? They made dresses out of that. But that's their story. Could you imagine the impact you could have telling children or young adults when they feel like they are in a struggle, that your struggle was such, but you made it. You made it and you went on to, you know, have a great education and you're now an educator of other people. That's, that was my mother's friend's story. They became teachers and counselors and principals and, and professors, but their, start, their stories started out broken, not knowing who their fathers were, abandoned. You know, my mother, uh, she grew up in a home where her dad was there for most of her life. But then afterwards, he wasn't. Her parents were divorced. If she was ashamed of that, she would not have been able to use that. It would not have been able to be the thing that drove her to make her marriage successful. I, I think that if we grab hold of the things that have the potential to break us, that's a part of our story, the beautiful coloring in the tapestry of our lives, I think we can build a life that's far greater than what was intended. It is in the shame and the embarrassment, the humiliation of the places where I fail that I am held hostage. But the moment that I'm free to tell my story, I'm liberated. I'm liberated. Say, okay, that's easy for you to tell because maybe your story wasn't crazy. Let me tell you something. If I told you my story, y'all would steal my story and write your own book. <laughs> you, you, you would have, I would be sitting in a movie one day watching my life go across the screen. I go, why does this feel so familiar? It would blow your mind. The reason why I don't share a lot right now is because, you know, I still have, you know, school-age children and or a child and, um, you know, that, that I would love the opportunity to be able to tell it without you writing a book on it. But I promise you, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it because it can't hold me. I'm going to tell it because my freedoms are in it. I'm going to tell it because I'm not ashamed. I didn't do it to myself. And even if I had, I'm still going to tell it because I've learned how to embrace every part of my story. Every part. I've learned to embrace the good and the bad. And as I get older, I love it. Because you become even freer. I wish, really, we could start life at the, at the beginning, like how we do it at the end. I wish when we were children that we would learn how not to be embarrassed when people made fun of us. That we could do, like, when we get older, like, I really don't care. I, I don't care. I, I do care if I'm successful. I, I do care about my reputation. But I'm saying, like, as far as, like, you know, whether you're going to be my friend and you're going to like me and you're going to, like, still hang out, uh, no, I'm, I'm not in that place. And it, and it progressively happens as you grow older and you hone in on the things that really are important. And you know what's important? Using every part of life that I experience. I'm a firm believer that the things that we have encountered, we did not just encounter them for ourselves. I'm a, I'm, I'm a senior pastor, a senior pastor. Uh, I pastored 
for going on 19 years, um, founded a church. And I firmly believe that in the hard places, that it's things that God, he entrusted us with. Uh, you know, in, in the faith in which I, I believe I'm a Christian, that the word of God, and I, so I follow the Bible, the word of God says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. As I go, uh, get, gain, uh, excuse me, as I grow older and I become wiser, I, I, that, that scripture becomes clearer to me that all things work together for my good when I am in relationship with God. What do you mean by that, Regina? What I'm saying is I shared with you at the break that I was raped. And when I share it with other women that were raped, and I tell them how I can use it when I don't have to hold it, then they are liberated too. When I tell the story about being broken while I was in relationship, I don't just tell it now to tell it because I don't need your sympathy. And I'm definitely not looking even for your empathy. But I tell it so that you can take pieces of my life as crutches to help you to be able to stand so that you can say, if she could get through it, I can get through it. Because others that went before me, they shared their stories. I'm able to reflect on the conversations in which I've had with them and know that even though the places where I was and, and will come into, because my story doesn't end until I leave this earth, that I have the potential of that working for my good. Today, before we leave, and I'm down to about a minute, less than a minute, uh, I want to tell you, I want to not tell you, I want to encourage you, excuse me for saying that. I want to encourage you to embrace, embrace all the parts of your life, even the parts that hurt, even the parts that have left big gaping wounds because it can be used to strengthen you, and to strengthen others. I hope today you enjoyed hanging out with me because I sure enjoy being here with you guys. So I'm looking forward to being with you guys on, uh, not next week, week after next. We're going into holiday weekend. Uh, enjoy that too and be safe. And I'll talk to you the following Sunday, the first Sunday, uh, the second Sunday in September. Have a blessed one. You're listening to Refresh. I'm Regina Johnson, your host.